0: really fits well with what we're going to talk about this morning. Let's sing this together. All to Jesus I
1: surrender, all to him I freely give. I will ever love and trust him, in his presence daily live. I surrender all, I surrender all, all to thee my blessed Savior, I surrender all, all to Jesus I surrender. Humbly at his feet I bow. Worldly pleasures all forsaken. Take me Jesus, take me now. I surrender all. All to Jesus I surrender. Lord, I give myself to Thee. Fill
0: Well, we want to make sure that in 2023 we are ready to invite our friends to join us in this new year. Uh, It is going to be a special year in 2023. We're going to be moving into our new sermon series that we're calling Walking. It's not our sermon series, it's actually our theme for the year is Walking with Christ. Our sermon series will be through the Sermon on the Mount uh, through the entire year. We're going to be talking about Uh, the different aspects that Jesus preaches in his sermon in Matthew chapter 5 through 7. We're going to actually be challenging each of us as we conclude each sermon. There's going to be a challenge to walk with Christ that week in different ways, to live out what we've learned about that morning. Uh, So each lesson will end with a challenge, and we'll have that uh, in some kind of a handout that we will give you each week uh, so that you can remember and be having your Bible readings. And uh, uh, we'll have a Bible reading plan that goes along with this this, uh, series. Well, today marks the end of the calendar year, 2022. And it also marks the end, the conclusion of this series that I've called Seven. Uh, These are the seven statements that Jesus makes uh, during his crucifixion on the cross uh, that we read about throughout the Gospels. We're going to reference a lot of scripture this morning, so I encourage you, if you want to get out a piece of paper and a pen, uh, maybe use the back of the bulletin if you have that, there's some lines on that, uh, and write down some of these uh, scriptures that we're going to reference because we're going to go through them pretty quick. Uh, I would encourage you to read through them again uh, as we move through uh, throughout this lesson. That way you have time to go back and look at them after we've referenced them. Uh, But hopefully it won't be too quickly that you won't understand what I'm talking about. (laughs) Um, All right. Well, there's that one house on every block, right? That one house. It really goes all out during the holidays. In one Mulberry, Florida neighborhood, that house belongs to Don Weaver. Since 2007, his Christmas light displays have been wowing people from near to far but no one more so than his 13-year-old neighbor, Caitlin. This teenager who's on the screen there, she happens to be a nonverbal autistic person. She's never uttered more than one or two words at a time, and then usually only with some kind of a visual prompting or or some kind of auditory response. Because Caitlin's been admiring this holiday display for most of her life, Don Weaver created a special display of more than 200,000 lights just for her in 2019. And he synced all of these lights together with some of her favorite songs. He made her a specially designed front row seat to sit and watch this light show that year so that she could sit and tap her toes to the music. It was a really sweet gesture for this girl who doctors said would never talk in her life. Well, Caitlin's mom, Marissa Bell, had always held out hope that someone would break her out of her shell a little bit. Well, it was this time that she got to walk over and sit in front of Mr. Weaver's driveway to see how how these lights would fit with her favorite songs. And her her mom, Marisa Bell, came over to see how she was doing. All of a sudden, Caitlin got up from the chair and started singing. And then she turned to her mom excitedly and said, Mom! Mom, look at all the blue lights. Look at the snowmen. Santa's coming. Marisa Bell, her mother, broke, just broke down in tears. It was the first time she ever talked. If only Christmas could be around all year long. Well, Christmas is all year in our hearts, in our minds. And if we keep Christ at the forefront of everything that we do, we will have Christmas truly all year long. Caitlin, who may have never been able to speak, was now so excitedly speaking about the joy that she has. Well, Jesus spoke seven statements from the cross. These statements give us a glimpse of who Jesus is and why he came to earth. And if you missed out on any of these, they're on our YouTube channel. And you can go back and watch any of them if you want. I encourage you to do that if you want to know more about some of these. uh, Because I want to show you the seven statements before we get to the last one here. At least the first six. The first was forgiveness. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Jesus spoke to the forgiveness that each of us needs to hear in our lives. We all sin. We all need saving. And Jesus forgives not just any people, but even his own enemies. And he wants to set this example for us to live this out today. Uh, We talked about salvation. Jesus says to the criminal on the cross, truly, I say to you today, you will be with me in paradise. And through his sacrifice on the cross of forgiveness, he saves us the way that he saved that criminal sinner on the cross. If only we will ask for it. And then we talked about compassion. Compassion. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved, John, standing nearby, he said to them, Woman, behold your son and behold your mother. Jesus has compassion on his mother and his other relatives and friends, enough to make sure that they were taken care of after his death. Jesus cares for all of us so much. He doesn't want us to worry about the future. And we spent some time with this word forsaken. Forsaken. Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lemma sabachthani, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus, fully divine and fully human, he felt alone as he took on the sin of the world. He had a feeling of grief and abandonment as he realized his sacrifice. Jesus knows what it feels like to be alone and without God's mercy and protection. He did not want us to have that same feeling. He wants us to accept this gift of grace and follow him, to repent of our sins and be baptized, to wash away the guilt, wash away any possibility of going through the same agony that he went through. And then we talked about Jesus' need. I thirst. Jesus thirsts. His human pain and anguish shows us that that he had needs in that moment. His humanity shows us that this was a real death. Not a spiritual one, not just the illusion of death, as some would have us to believe. He was God in the flesh, Emmanuel, God with us. And then last week we talked about completion. It is finished. Jesus said that his work was finished. It's completed. This work on the cross completes the atonement for sin. God doesn't have a plan B. This was the plan. And so why do these statements matter? Well, first, I would think these statements matter because they show that Jesus had a purpose in his ministry. We can go through each of these statements. We can witness the power of Jesus' ministry here on the earth. He didn't do these things for his own pleasure. Jesus didn't perform miracles to just be lifted up uh, as a neat guy who could possibly perform some neat tricks. He wasn't trying to gain fame for this. Jesus wanted us to know him. He wanted us to know him and to know that we had lost our way and forgotten that we needed to follow God. And Jesus wanted us all to have this. Salvation was no longer going to be just for the Israelites, for just the Jewish remnant. It was for the whole world. And we see that throughout scripture, right? John 3:16 for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And then over in 1 Peter 3, verse 9, the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but He he is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. Well, we also see in these seven statements that these statements show that Jesus is eternal. Jesus is not just a man but he's God in the flesh, Emmanuel, God with us. No mere man could take on the sins of the world to give us this salvation and redemption we need uh, to atone for the sin that we have committed. In Matthew chapter 1, verses 21 through 23, she will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, The virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. And then over in John 14, Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long, and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am the Father, and the Father is in me? or I am in the Father and the Father is in me. The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. And then we read in Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 11, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. to the glory of God the Father. The other thing that we see in these seven, seven statements, the third thing is we see Jesus' humanity, do we not? Jesus, born of a virgin, became a boy, learned from and spoke with those in the temple. He went through a normal upbringing in, in Nazareth. He ate food. He slept in a bed. He became a carpenter and made things from wood. He experienced humanity. In Hebrews chapter 4, we read, Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet was without sin. Finally, these these seven statements also show us this, that Jesus had a divine plan and he was part of it. This was part of the plan from the beginning. In John chapter 17, verse 24, we read, Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. prepared for you from the foundation of the world. And in 1 Peter 1, knowing that you were ransomed from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things, such as silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot, he was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you. So now, let's look at our passage this morning, his final statement from the cross of his crucifixion. If you'll turn over to Luke chapter 23, we're going to start in verses 44 and read through 49 this morning. It was now about the sixth hour, and there was darkness all over the whole land until the ninth hour, while the sun's light failed, and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Then Jesus, calling out with a loud voice, said, Father, Into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last. Now when the centurion saw what had taken place, he praised God, saying, Certainly this man was innocent. And all the crowds that had assembled for this spectacle, when they saw what had taken place, returned home, beating their breasts. And all his acquaintances and the women who had followed him from Galilee stood at a distance watching these things. In today's statement, shows Jesus' surrender to the will of God and commitment to the plan of salvation from the foundation of the world when he says, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. It's now the sixth hour, noon, and until the ninth hour, 3 p.m., we had had darkness all over the whole land. The passage said that the sun's light had failed. This wasn't just a spectacle from above, this naturally occurring thing like a, a... an eclipse that would happen. If this were just an eclipse, they would know what to call this. But this darkness was so mysterious to these people to the point that it frightened them. I mentioned in past lessons that this darkness was an indication of the day of the Lord, that this day might be coming, something that they had been anticipating for many, many centuries before this. The prophets spoke about the day of the Lord and how the darkness would bring about this day, and it would scare them especially if they were not prepared for it. We talked about this before. We mentioned in Joel chapter 2, and it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams and your young men shall see visions. Even on the male and female servants in those days, I will pour out my spirit. And I will show wonders in the heavens and on the earth, blood and fire and columns of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness. And the moon to blood before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem there shall be those who escape as the Lord has said. And among the survivors shall be those whom the Lord calls. And then over in Amos chapter 8 verse 9 we find this. And on that day declares the Lord God I will make the sun go down at noon and darken the earth and broad daylight. Well, second, this passage in Luke, it tells us that this curtain in the temple was torn in two. This event would bring about all sorts of chaos to what was happening at this time. This curtain was torn. Uh, for it to be torn, it would take a miracle. This curtain was thick. According to 1 Kings chapter 6, verse 2, Solomon's temple was 30 cubits high. The house that king solomon built for the lord was 60 cubits long 20 cubits wide and 30 cubits high but herod had increased the height to even higher 40 cubits around 60 feet high for us americans according to the writings of josephus a first century jewish historian uh, an early jewish tradition says that this veil was about four inches thick But the Bible doesn't confirm that measurement. It says in the book of Exodus that it teaches us that this veil was thick and fashioned with blue and purple and scarlet material and fine twisted linen. The size and the thickness of this veil make the events occurring at the moment of Jesus's death on the cross so much more momentous as no human could just walk up and tear this curtain. It was torn from top to bottom Indicating that it wasn't just a man that did it. Someone might be able to gain enough strength to tear a curtain if they got enough leverage and momentum from the bottom. Do you remember the power team of the 1980s that would do crazy feats of strength? Uh, These bodybuilders and fitness gurus would rip telephone books in half and bend iron bars and frying pans. They would lift up cars. They would break baseball bats over their foreheads. These guys were crazy. And they could do strong things. Maybe if they got enough strength, someone like this could grab the curtain and rip it in two. But no, this was not a trick. This took, this would have taken practice. It would have taken skill. They would have had to have known how to do this perfectly in order to just walk up and tear a phone book or a curtain like this in two. There's a trick to it. I won't go into that, but I've, I've been able to rip a phone book in half. It's not just strength. It's, there's other things to it. So this, in order to tear this curtain, would take skill. It would take practice for a human to do it. But it was torn from the top to the bottom, indicating that God was showing us a special message. Tearing it from the top is an indication that God had torn this to tell these people they don't need this separation from him anymore. The Holy of Holies is no longer an off-limits thing for them. All now have access to God. Well, we find that the Holy of Holies was now open. This would have frightened a lot of the priests and the devout Jews in the temple for Passover sacrifices. They might have thought that they were about to be struck dead. That's typically what could happen if a sacrifice were done incorrectly or the wrong person entered that place. So what happens in our text Today, in the statement today. Well, first we see that Jesus calls out in a loud voice. Taking every bit of strength that he had left. He called out to God in a loud voice. Again, this wasn't a whisper. We talked about that before when he cried out. This wasn't a whisper. He wasn't just thinking it. He called out in a loud voice. He cried out before when he called out his father. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Again, Jesus musters up enough strength to call out to God, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. He says, Father. He returns back to calling God his Father. Abba. Knowing that this was his final breath, he would turn again to his dad and call out again, Abba, Father. Into your hands I commit my spirit. This is total surrender of Jesus to this plan, into God's hands? When do we most need to give up our own will and put it into God's hands? Jesus had this in his prayer before his crucifixion on the Mount of Olives in Luke chapter 22, and he withdrew from them about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Jesus commits his spirit. If we remember after Jesus is baptized, the Holy Spirit descends on Jesus in Luke chapter 3. Now when all the people were baptized, and when Jesus had also been baptized, and was praying, the heavens were opened, and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form, like a dove, and a voice came from heaven, You are my beloved son, with you I am well pleased. Again, Once Jesus commits his spirit to God, the Father, he is surrendering to the plan. And I can picture God welcoming Jesus back to the presence, saying, good and faithful servant, well done. It is this time of year that Jesus is on the hearts and the minds of many, many people. Even those who might not be in a a regular attendance at church, they think on the birth of Jesus, the birth of the Messiah, and the Savior, Jesus. We sing these songs of blessing and encouragement, songs of hope of the newborn king. And it's today that we're thinking on this baby, born of a virgin, who would become a man and take on this ministry that would end in the plan of salvation for all mankind who would believe in him and be baptized for forgiveness. Typically on Christmas, we think of the birth of this baby Jesus, not his death. Today, we are ending this series on these seven statements from the cross with this final statement, a statement of surrender. We must all surrender. Not to the world, not to hopelessness, certainly not to sin. We surrender our lives as Jesus did, we must also do. We must commit our spirit On this Christmas day, we remember the baby because the baby means it is real. All of it is real. If Jesus comes as a newborn baby, that means that God told the truth. His promise is real. God sent his son Jesus to be the Messiah King to save mankind from a fallen world. There is hope. God has kept his promise. What a wonderful, good news message to bring. And today on this Christmas day, I want to ask the same that if any of you has a need, we will be happy to help this morning. Maybe you need prayer, prayer to remember the hope, this hope of Jesus in his glory. Maybe it's a prayer of forgiveness for not allowing him in your heart all year round. Maybe a prayer of forgiveness for how you've lived your life And maybe you've rejected other people in a way that we shouldn't be rejecting them. Maybe you call yourself a believer and you need prayer because you've been mean and harsh to others. Instead of loving them as Christ has loved you, loving your neighbor as yourself, even loving your enemies the way that Jesus did. Maybe you want to do better in sharing this wonderful good news of Jesus with The world, the people that you know, the people you see around you every day, even being bold with people that you don't ordinarily speak to and to tell them about Jesus's love for them. Maybe you need prayer this morning and encouragement because this is a difficult time of year for you when you've lost a loved one, a wife, a husband, a sister, brother, mom or dad or even a friend. We can be your friends. We can be your family. I love all of you so much as your, as your friend. And I'm so thankful for the way that the Lord's church can surround people in their greatest needs. And we want to do that for you today, this morning. Brent and I are going to be down front this morning to receive anyone who has a need this morning. And so whatever your need is, let's come now while we stand and while we